This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we're live on our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and now Twitter channels with Rara Blue. I got your name right. It's Rara. Yeah. Hi. And uh, we're, we're talking to you from Belgium, right? Yes, that's right. That's cool, because that's what's really interesting about this kind of show, is that we get to talk to people from around the world. We've been doing it since 2018, and we just want to, like, uh, actually introduce one of our sponsors before we get into the full interview and we actually got a video to show like a preview of her new work but we've got this ios um, app that you can get from ios app store from itunes or from the android store at www.newsly.me and they are an app that reads the news back to you in a natural voice so if you use our coupon code um, ghost2021 and that's still valid uh, you get one month free premium subscription. So we stop scrolling and start listening to the news so you can multitask and that's a cool thing to do. And uh, what we're going to do now is bring up your uh, link. It's going to be running through the whole show. It's got like your destroyed kid hyperlink, hyperfollow link to uh, your new track, uh, Broad mm -hmm. Minds, coming up right. Yes. So um, the other thing we like to do is actually. Um, uh, show people the before we actually get into the interview. And I guess one of your somebody mm -hmm. that my fan might be showing up there. <laughs> we have a comment. Um, so yeah, we've got it queued up, and we'll put you on mute, and then we'll come back. Um, so then when we come back, we're going to do a full kind of behind the music interview. That's our style to talk about like where an artist is coming from from the songwriting style, and uh, if that's cool, I'm going to. Play the video and put you on mute, and then we'll come back, okay? Yes, let's go.
So yes. <laughs> I like the bass. <laughs> you, did, you did describe your music as uh, kind of bass heavy, and I do love that bass. Yes, yes that's true. Um, <laughs> that's a beautiful video. So who, who directed that? Uh, thank you. It's uh, not actually ready yet. This is only the teaser. And mm -hmm. this video is going to come out on 1st of March. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's uh, actually made uh, by some uh, Estonian girls who are really talented. Uh, one is Anet Narusberg, another is uh, Carol Alice Denise. And uh, they are uh, responsible for this video. And I'm super excited. And like, really, they, they have uh, what I really like about their work is that they have this um, like way of thinking that is not so like, Typical. you know, <laughs> like so obvious or like I, I like that they like to um, create something that is a bit different. Yeah, that's so, the yeah. thing I, yeah, I do miss from the early MTV. Like I'm, I'm 54, <laughs> right? And when MTV first started, bands would just go and just film themselves in the studio. Mm -hmm. Then you actually started actually getting film directors. And then you mm -hmm. saw like the Duran Duran videos where they actually had a film director that did little mini movies, mm -hmm. right? And then you had other directors started coming in, like not necessarily following the song. They would go and interpret yeah. the song and do what film directors do, right? They would go and come up with all kinds. So I, I do like miss that because a lot of things today are kind of obvious. They just don't don't try to do something unique. There was yeah. a period back in the 80s when it first started where there were a lot of directors that tried what you're saying. Um, yeah. And that was more fun for me. But um, <laughs> so so what I like to ask as a as an artist, because I'm an artist myself, is like, well, when did you first get into music? Like, what age do you remember first wanting to get into music? That is a really interesting story because I don't think that I remember ever like wanting to get into it, but I was into it before I even realized. Uh, I was put into this children's music school when I was two months old. So obviously I was still a baby and I couldn't even really realize what I was doing. But uh, when I was uh, six, I started my piano lessons. And so when I was eight, I remember I had these first moments where I was really like alone in the room behind the piano and I was harmonizing on top of what I was playing. And I remember this um, this as the first time that I really had like this uh, spark light up inside yeah. of me. So you but, started to actually maybe write your own type of stuff, not just uh, learning the songs that like everybody starts. Like I started on piano in, in woodwinds mm -hmm. and I had to play in classical and jazz bands and kind of build up my talent. And then eventually, you know, my musical taste kicked in yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I like The Who, I like Zeppelin, I like jazz. It's like, mm -hmm. what if I start taking the things I like and learn taking my instrument? At first, like a clarinet, it's hard to write on. Uh, so mm -hmm. then I learned piano mm -hmm. because it's like piano was like, you know, to me, and guitar are the writing instruments, right? Yeah. So if you're going to write a song, being a piano player, that, that you can write the whole thing, you know, and then a the guitar yeah. player, you can do the same thing. So, um, so is that like like was that an idea to learn piano to to do that or just learned because you wanted to go to a conservatory you wanted to get real serious no uh really like for me uh i grew up 
with the music and choir, music and choir singing and this type of uh, uh, music. And I went, I had this uh, private singing teachers and I was like a competitive singer as a kid. Mm -hmm. So it naturally came that I also went to study piano, but the thing of also when I was eight, it wasn't about me starting to songwrite necessarily. It was about me understanding that I have this thing in my heart that I need to channel through music, the way that I could like um, put my feelings into my music. That was the thing that I discovered back then. But music was always a hobby. Uh, yeah. I think I grew up in a very like rational family in that sense that music was never like a career option. So conservatory was never in my mind that at that time. It was yeah. always just something like a release for me, something that I really felt passionate about, but I never took it as an option in a, until I figured out that I should take it as an option because <laughs> I just feel so strongly for it that I can't really do anything else about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I find is like I, I interview a lot of emerging or indie um, kind of outside the mainstream writers, songwriters. Mm -hmm. uh, that's been my focus is I, I primarily focus on singer-songwriters just because to me, growing up in the 70s, it was the age of albums of vinyl mm -hmm. and singer-songwriters. You know, you like listen to James Taylor and, uh, you know, Carole King and then all the Motown writers like Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson and, and you know, the, the, the Funk Brothers. It was just the whole idea is songwriting to me was this fantastic you know the idea that you could express all kinds of emotion mm -hmm. through music and you know being a, somebody who was into like orchestral instruments i just thought it was like it's very powerful when you can take your feelings and express them in music because it's like sometimes it's not words and sometimes it's just like the chord changes or yeah the, 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 just the sound of it you can create sadness or you can make people happy with a drum beat you know it's just i thought that that was just a fantastic thing and i wanted to be part of it whether i made money or not yeah. i was like i just wanted to do it and it seemed like like you had this kind of fire that yeah that thing right i very much believe that art is uh feeling put into a form it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it's a sound if it's if it's actual material if it's a, like a sculpture for example or is it painting the main like reason for art is that it makes us feel something if it doesn't then that would I would say that that is bad art but if it makes you passionately angry at it or like yeah it yeah. makes you feel or connect to some memories in your life then that is what it's about and also that as an artist that's the thing that you want to create is that you put your emotions into this whatever you're creating yeah i think the what i find is like like music i i, I was watching a lot of documentaries because i do these type of interviews and mm -hmm. it was this really interesting documentary about george martin the producer from the beatle like the fifth beatle and he was talking about like, you know, I could, re I could have recorded the Beatles like they sounded in Berlin and just be like a live act. But then I decided like, I like Monet as a painter. He was saying this in an interview and I like the idea of a sound painting, which means I can, in the studio, I can create colors and all kinds of sound painting kind of concepts that you can't do right live. 
that because yeah. you can do backward tape loops, you can do all this layering, you can do all this, uh, you know, effect chaining that the idea of a sound painting was yeah, very yeah. appealing to me because then that kind of merges like, you know, physical, like art with music. And that's always seems to happen that, you yeah. know, now that we have video and we have all these other things on stage, we have like LED systems that artists can kind of combine visuals Mm -hmm. with the music but I think music without even a visual invokes this kind of sound painting like a like a film yeah. like a story yeah. you know yeah. that's, that's what I always felt that that's really something that's important about the art form um, yeah absolutely so so when did you realize that you had this talent and you wanted to start actually crafting your own songs because there's a lot of people that become studio musicians, they become classical musicians, they yeah. they play with other people. They don't write the material. They can actually play with bands, but they don't write their own stuff. So what made you want to be a singer-songwriter? Um, I think I just have a loud mouth and I have a lot to say, you know? So yeah. I, that's that's probably what what was the main thing that I really wanted to get my message across. It wasn't just about the music itself, but I really felt like I want to speak out, like I want to empower people. I want to speak about the things that matter to me and maybe they also matter to some other people. And that's why I really felt like I had this urge to put it in my music. And uh, also the things that are true and all these types of things, I get this uh, sort of release while I make my own music. So. That's definitely the reason why I feel more as a creator rather than uh, just like following a sheet note and doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like a lot of it's really interesting because a lot of times I've actually talked to singer songwriters and they don't read sheet music, right? Yeah. Or well, maybe they can read chord charts or something. But a lot of times it's very interesting that really advanced musicians, the really awesome musicians, don't necessarily know how to sheet read. And yeah. And the classical musicians I've talked to actually find that the sheet reading actually sometimes prevents them from doing what singer songwriters do. But because yeah. they're so tied to it that when somebody tells them to improvise, they're not as willing to do it as people who naturally improvise. So in I my, think it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. In my university, I had a teacher who told me, now you come here, you put your full effort into this, you get good, then you go out in the world and you forget about everything that we ever taught you and then you make your own thing. And that's what I really strongly believe in is that you can learn from masters and then you set you understand where the bar is, what you're even in, involved, involving yeah. yourself into, you know? And then you forget about the things that have been done and make your own. Of course, there always will be influences, but that's what makes it great. Like, that's, that's what um, the creation is about, you know? Well, that's why I think what's really fantastic um, about music is you know i like to do things that are kind of cross genre so mm -hmm. if you notice my my instagram is called expansive sound it's like what's that mean mm -hmm. well that means i can play jazz one night i can play punk i can play rock i can do whatever i want because i'm not yeah. trying to say i'm not a, just a dj i'm not just an electronic musician yeah. if i want to go play johnny cash 
if I want to go play something that sounds like The Clash yeah. or then go play Sun Ra or Miles Davis, I can do whatever I want. I don't put any constraints. And I think that's what's cool today, unless you put yourself in a box. Like if you go say, I'm only trap, I'm yeah. only EDM, then you put yourself in a box. It's like, you yeah. just say, well, I'm just going to do music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if, I, if I do music, then one day I could collaborate with a rapper. Next day I could collaborate with an R&B guy or a soul person or a country or what, or Harvey Metal yeah. or, or whatever. Because if I feel like doing Nine Inch Nails type of music, I can do it. If I feel like doing like Yes or Genesis, I could go do it. I just, I don't want to be constrained. That's why I yeah. think it's cool today that there is a lot of cross genre. There's a yeah. lot of people mixing things up. And that's where things happen. That's what I find is like, that's where the music is really happening in the underground mm -hmm. where people decide, I'm going to break the rule. I'm not just going to do the drop, right? Yeah. I'm not just going to have this disco structure. I'm going to mix structures. I'm going to change keys. I'm going to change mm -hmm. timing. I'm going to do polyrhythms. I'm going to, I'm not always going to try to be perfect in the doll. I'm yeah. actually going to allow the happy accidents, yeah. you know? That, that to me is that that's how you grow exactly i absolutely agree i think that like people are so afraid of like failing and like doing these mistakes and let's say if 90 percent of your failure is failure and it's cringe and it's uh whatever weird but the 10 percent that you actually take the risk to be cringe you might actually figure out something new and that is so valuable so and also through these things you learn. So I absolutely think that failing is so big part of all of it. And like it should shouldn't be like you shouldn't be afraid of it. And you shouldn't think that, oh yeah, I need to be perfect at everything because there's no such thing, you know. Well, that's why I think I get scared with the DAW and I become mm -hmm. a doll -like producer because I found a lot of producers being so tied to the BPM. Mm -hmm. And I, in fact, I had a story where I was, somebody came to me and they liked my sound and they said they wanted to work. And I said, well, I don't work in a DAW. I work with hardware. Mm -hmm. So if you want to work with me, understand that. And then, then when I, we were working, they kept on saying, well, you're not in time with my DAW. I said, well, I'm never going to be <laughs> in time with your DAW. I'm never yeah. going to do it because I don't use it. I'm like Keith Richards. I'm yeah. going to play off beat because that's what I like <laughs> to do. All my stuff, yeah. you heard it, right? I don't always do the right timing, but that's that's the happy accident. Yeah. I'm more jazz influenced, right? So a lot of my stuff will change timing or not be fully steady because it's kind of evolving or it's yeah. polyrhythmic. And so that's a choice, you know, and that's kind of like the choice Keith Richards chose to do when he plays. He does he's very off the time, you know, but it it, yeah. it sounds wonderful. And there's tons of happy accidents in Stone songs. There are tons yeah. of happy accidents in a lot of stuff in the 70s if you listen to albums in the 70s and you listen try to track it it won't track that good in the daw because mm -hmm. there's like a lot of timing changes that are, they're all over the place and i'm like well that's the whole like beauty of that music <laughs> mm -hmm. you know i i also think that uh hardware gives like this human touch to electronical music uh that's yeah. that's really uh valuable Definitely. Well, I think like a lot of times it's like I love Moogs, not just mm -hmm. because they're a Moog, but like Bob Moog who invented <laughs> it, he, he said that he felt they were living things. Mm -hmm. And I have like three of them and they are kind of like living instruments because every day I turn one on, 
it doesn't behave the same. And mm-hmm. it actually drives my creative process because it sounds different like every day. Not that I can't get it to where it was, but when mm-hmm. I turn it on, it just presents to me something different. And mm-hmm. then I kind of like, instead of trying to tame it, what I yeah. found is like, I let it talk to me. Right. So I let them talk to me and I said, well, that's what I'm going to do today. Cause that's yeah. what it sounds like today. So that's where I'm going to go with what it's given me. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it's hard to tell somebody in the digital world what that's like, because they're kind of like, well, I just got this. And I was like, okay, but, but I'm, yeah. I'm going like this way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's also what I really like about synthesis that I like to play around with them. And when I achieve a sound that I'm, like inspired by it and I'm like oh I want that this thing to it and this thing to it and then it's like endless spiral yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like sound design in itself is like yeah art. yeah that's yeah, a yeah, whole yeah, thing yeah, definitely forgot about electronic music is the original electronic musicians they didn't even have keyboards yeah the original sense like the early Moogs and and uh, like the arps uh they were just these big machines that had tons of dials and tons of cv and, and I still have a bunch of stuff that's like that with CV. It's like a mm-hmm. telephone patch system. And the thing about it was like you could break the rules because modern sense have a, like a, a structure and you can maybe break it behind the scenes. But these hardware sense, you can actually change the workflow mm-hmm. and force it to do something it wasn't initially going to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. You know, and that's where the beauty is, where you can continually keep on... If you like a lot of musicians, like it's like it's like a punk rocker, it's like a punk aesthetic. Like you're gonna break the rules, like the Ramones yeah. or the Clash or the Sex Pistols. You're gonna break it because that's what you want to do. And then that yeah. instrument allows you to do it in the same way like rock guitarists did with like the stomp boxes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the distorted heavy, you know, guitars. It's like okay, we're gonna break the rules and do sounds that people used to EQ out. Yeah. Because <laughs> like Hendrix, when he first did what he did. All his engineers said, "Well, you can't do that." Yeah, like you're, you're, you're like all tons of his engineers when he started introducing all the feedback said, "We're never not supposed to put that on the record." And he's like, mm-hmm. and he started in, running the board himself because yeah. they kept on taking stuff out. And he said, "I don't want it out. That's what yeah. I want. That's <laughs> yeah. the sound I want in." And and mm-hmm. I think that's when you get people who are kind of ahead of the curve, like a Hendrix. It's like it, you, the people in his time were like, "Oh, you can't do that." And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. that's what we should do. (laughs) Yeah, I think that it's actually even uh, in people who only produce on uh, different DOS, they also, um, and I also, (laughs) because I I do both, I Mm -hmm. uh, think that it's cool to use uh, some plugins wrong way. So you also get this like, uh, distort that sound yeah exactly it's it's uh, you have to know the rules to break them yeah yeah you gotta know what it should be and then say well yeah, i want yeah, to yeah. do like you know turn something inside out like mm-hmm. you know i started playing with analog mm-hmm. modular samplers because then what you can do to the sample you don't even see it right mm-hmm. you take a sample and you put it into a Eurorack device and you can't visually see it right but you can take it and then affect it with controlled voltage. You can make an oscillator affect it. You can yeah. make, make a random voltage generator affect it. So when you do that without looking at it, right, mm-hmm. you can cause things to happen yeah. that are totally unexpected. And, mm-hmm. and that is where, to me, is like I'd rather not look at the computer screen when I'm playing with a sample and run it through like 
a, an analog work chain because yeah, then you yeah, get yeah. you can deviate it so much that you'll never even get hit with the copyright. Because yeah. So nobody can even trace what it was. Yeah. That that's the way to do it, in my opinion. Yeah. Then you don't even get hit because you're like you just totally ripped it up, um, mm -hmm. and you weren't trying to keep it. Like I wasn't trying to get it to be like Ice Ice Baby. Mm -hmm. I actually want to turn it into something from another world, like Mars. You know, I don't yeah, want. Yeah. It, I, don't, I don't want it to be what you heard. I yeah. want to actually take something and make it unrecognizable. But mm -hmm. um, so so like we're talking about influences and reference points. Who who do you who would you say are you the people that inspired you with your style? I mean, or maybe you just have a multiple people that that do that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, uh, for me, my, uh, I don't think that I have a certain style. I also see that my, uh, what I make is influenced by everything that I enjoy, which is, uh, hip hop, electronical music, and also, uh, pop music. And that's mainly what I grew up on. Um, uh, since, um, in my family, there wasn't really that much of music listening, instead like only music listening was uh, on our way to school in a car so oh. i always uh, listened to radio so pop was always uh, something that i grew up on but as i grew older and i got access to music i uh, really started enjoying dubstep and drumstep and uh, also um, rap music and hip-hop and i fell in love with like the way of artists writing lyrics. So for example, I really started respecting Kendrick Lamar and mm -hmm. uh, for example, completely different inspiration I find from uh, Doja Cat, which uh, I think that she's uh, of course very, very popular artist right now. But what I love about her is her authenticity uh, when I was uh, writing my music, uh, still on guitar, wasn't producing it. Then I uh, uh, stumbled on Doja Cat's uh, Spotify. No, no, no. SoundCloud. 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 Yeah, she, yeah, she yes. started like on the underground in SoundCloud. Yeah, exactly. And But she kept her stuff up there. And I uh, found it. And to me, to hear the like previous versions of the now hit songs, Mm -hmm. It really like inspired me to also like show my process and uh, not yeah. try to be perfect all the time because that's the thing like like um, now she has a whole uh, team of people who yeah, help she her to production team yeah she exactly got, like, producer but I yeah. actually really like her SoundCloud work yeah because, like, this, this, I'm the, I, I like emerging artists. I, I started like again I'm 54. I was like a, mm -hmm. a radio DJ that, mm -hmm. that played a lot of underground college radio like back in the day in the early 80s like REM and The Cure and uh, you know mm -hmm. New Order and I was always going for like bands like placements and everything that was like yeah. I would read Rolling Stone and Spin and if I found like an emerging band that nobody liked yeah or nobody heard of I would play it yeah like, that's what I like I like to find the new stuff. And yeah. when I, I like Doja Cat early work because it's really, it was really good. And it was like, I didn't see that coming. 
And I'm like, yeah. this, her songwriting technique, like it was songwriting. Yeah, There's exactly. Some people today, like they don't write necessarily in a songwriting style. Yeah. They write like in hooks and clips. Yeah. And they think they've forgotten kind of like the Beatlesque or like the Pink Floyds of the world or even like the Zeppelins. Like there's a sound structure that was mm-hmm. prevalent. And now because you've got these clip-based machines in the DAWs, some people are just building like hook-based songs. Yeah. They don't have all the bridges and, you know, other, you know the outros and the intros that you used to get. And I've always been mm-hmm. like very into people who still structure mm-hmm. in that kind of typical song structure. Not that there are other ways that hip hop is different. Mm-hmm. But then with Kedlick Mar, he actually took hip hop and started introducing pop ideas and mm-hmm. jazz ideas. So it is this kind of expansive thing. Because when you listen mm-hmm. to Butterfly, it's got jazz, it's got like live instrumentation, it's got samples mixed with you know, Dylan-esque type of structure. Like a lot of rap is kind of like Dylan. And it's got very deep, like songwriting that you can get from like a Neil Young or a Bob Dylan. And I was always very impressed Mm -hmm. because I like, you know, Dylan and and Neil Young. And rap has that. Like if you go into rap, Mm -hmm. it's very dense with the lyrics. Like Mm -hmm. tone, very that to me is kind of where rock has kind of not gone where it used to be and it's kind of lost that. Um, and that's why I like, I think people like hip hop because it's kind of reminding them. I mean, you've got rock operas, I mean, you've got concept mm-hmm. albums and rap albums. You got yeah, multiple yeah. rap acts that actually can get people to listen to a full 70 minute album, not just the single. People will listen to the whole thing. And then on popular yeah. music, that's not happening. It's like, why? It used to happen. It used to be able to listen to the whole Queen album or the whole Sgt. Pepper mm-hmm. album. Now people just listen to one song. But in hip hop, they actually get people to listen to the full record. Mm-hmm. So it's possible. That's why I always tell people, it's like, well, you can't get people to do that. They say, you can. Different genres, people are still listening to the whole record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I am also deeply in love with making albums. Like, uh, I feel this uh, with the single, it's such a short amount of time to tell anything, I think. It's like, this parts of like ideas, but if it's if it's an album or if it's a bigger concept, then you can give a full story, like full perspective, full idea of all of the different ways you can like interpret it. So I really really enjoy uh, albums and EPs and all that sort sort of stuff. I think that this um, insane. Uh, boom of putting out singles is also due to uh marketing honestly yeah, it kind of reminds me like we've kind of gone full circle if you go back to the 1950s mm-hmm. and you look at motown and stacks those machines like those record companies would put singles out like every week tons of them mm-hmm. in fact yeah. to the point where multiple bands would take the same song and run it like the Temptations would do a version, the Four Tops would do a version, the Supremes would do a version, Stevie Wonder would do a version, and if it didn't work, mm-hmm. then they would roll it to another band, right? So <laughs> they would just continually putting out material, and they say, "Okay, this doesn't work. Okay, this this didn't work. Okay." They just kept on experimenting, but they they continually put stuff out, and the albums were really more like collections of greatest hits, mm-hmm. where they would take the singles that did well and then make an album. 
until you yeah. finally get like uh, Stevie Wonder and some of the other bands that, like in the actually like uh, uh, if you think uh, <clears throat> you think about um, Marvin Gaye, they actually started to create albums that had like the concept, like like what's going on is a is a classic album structure. You know, mm -hmm. songs in the key of life from Stevie. That's a song structure. It's a full mm -hmm. concept. But before that, the, the Temptation and the Four Top albums and the Supreme albums, they really weren't like that. They were just like collections of hits. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like today that's kind of what's going on with playlists and in, in, in singles. People are just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and say, well, does that work? Does that work? And it's very short. And the thing that people are missing is they don't get introduced to the full work of an artist. Mm -hmm. right? You get into an album, the deeper tracks kind of show you who that artist is. Yeah. If you're the non-singles, the songs that aren't the singles are kind of show you the depth of an artist. And I've always, I was always <clears throat> a big fan of the deeper cuts mm -hmm. of artists, the one songs that aren't the single. Yeah. <laughs> I think that tells you a lot about who they are. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> I also would like draw a parallel in a way that like, I think that music as an art has a different purpose this like today as maybe used to have uh, back in the day. Like for example, also with uh, art, like people used to paint and then photography game and it like got, in, got into a whole different meaning of what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same way, like this music that is marketed for like TikTok and for this short clips or or the music that you actually go to like uh, search meaning from is like a bit uh, separated, like the same way that you go to art, to an art, art gallery and you think like, oh, what does this painting mean? You know, you, right. you don't do the same thing, for example, with every poster you see in the street. Yeah, I think what happens is you do get, you know, I think the real like music aficionados, the people who are really into records, right? So you get the music fan that mm -hmm. will actually buy like your full record because yeah. they like to be introduced to new material. They like to listen mm -hmm. to the whole thing, right? And then you got the casual music fan that's just doing it to listen to something while they're, you know, commuting mm -hmm. or they're jogging or they're yeah. working, right? And they can't have, they can't listen to Pink Floyd and really pay attention because they're trying to work. So yeah. they're just looking for something catchy. So they're using it in a commercial way for a different purpose than what somebody yeah. like like me and my friends would go take a Pink Floyd album and go to the basement and put it on the record player on vinyl and then you know in the dark listen to the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's a different type of purpose. Like yeah. people, are, you know, there's still people that do that. You know, there are people buying vinyl again, and they are listening to people's full projects. Yeah. Um, it's just a different set. And then they okay, maybe there's only, you know, 10,000 people or a thousand people for different levels that will do that, mm -hmm. you know? And so you can kind of micro market to those audiences. And that's why I think a lot of us indie artists are finding ways, you know, I've marketed small vinyl batches to my peg fans and it works mm -hmm. because I'm not trying to sell a hundred thousand, you know, yeah. I do it like a thousand yeah, and it works. Yeah, yeah. And so it's possible to do it and you actually can make more money than I make on Spotify all year from a thousand. Yeah, that's that's a whole topic. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a whole yeah. different thing, but I was like, mm -hmm. is there's a way to actually get the fans something 
Yeah. And you, you know, to me, I like vinyl because you can do a whole picture. You can do a liner notes. It's yeah. a whole project. You can go work with a photographer or another yeah. artist. And then you're doing a combined project. So that kind of gets to like collaboration. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. like to work, like you're working with the film directors yeah. working on your video. Do you like to work with artists for like the album cover? And yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, uh, also photographers uh, help me with uh, taking pictures for my projects. And uh, I, the same way that I love to create art, I also respect other people's art. So there is... Um, after now there is uh, on Tuesday this uh, single coming up which yeah. is also in collaboration collaboration with the photographer there's also uh, uh, the music video and then there is one bigger secret project that is coming out and with that there is uh, some uh, AI art oh, cool. and uh, yeah. this is also made by uh, someone else not the, uh, like an AI artist so I'm really excited for that. And yeah, I absolutely love uh, collaborating with others because I think that although uh, I have a lot of ideas, I get so inspired by others, other people, like their way of thinking, their way of like uh, going into things. So with not only other stuff, but also with music, I really enjoy the way that someone else's way of uh, seeing the same thing uh, completely differently is uh, so like it helps me expand my own uh, perspective in a way. Yeah, that's kind of like like I've had, uh, you know, I'm a solo artist most of the time, but I do have had bands mm -hmm. where I've had, you know, physical drummers, guitar mm -hmm. players, bass players, other keyboardists. And the cool thing about, you know, being in band you know, it's mm -hmm. like I'm a primary songwriter usually in any band I was in. Mm -hmm. And I would I would love to see like what the bass player did to my bass part. Like I would come yeah. in with the bass part, I would come in with like a drum machine and give it to the drummer. I'm like, I know yeah. you can do better than what my 808 is doing. Yeah. The 808, it, the 808 has a character and we could use it. But mm -hmm. if you go and create a beat that's inspired from this, you're going to do things like that a drummer can do yes. that the 808 can't do. Right. So I, yes, and I yes, know yes. that. And I would like let it go. So I would go to the band. It's like, here's the big demo. But yeah. I, my bass player, take that bass part and like, take it over. You know, exactly. take the drum part, take it over. Another guitar player, like change the chords a little bit, change, you know, to different structures. And, and like, that's what I was fun. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, just make it better. Yeah. Right? You don't have to do exactly what I did. I'm not going to yeah. sit there and rehearse you and make you play exactly what I did in the demo. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. want you to kind of take it and give something back to me that's better. Yeah. Um, and that would that's what I love about playing in bands. Is like bands, when you're a unit, that kind of happens. So when you're a solo artist, usually your producer or you mm -hmm. have other collaborators to help you do that. So do you do you just work with your producer or other collaborators like when you put your stuff together, your songs? I produce my music myself. And mm -hmm. uh, then I... Uh, now that prior i uh, didn't really have that many connections in music but do like during the time that i've been doing it more and uh, now the projects that are coming out will have some uh, songs that have uh, also uh, real played instruments like guitar and drums and cool. and uh, this type of stuff so i'm super excited for it and that's 
that's exactly how I feel. Like I can uh, put all of these things together in my door, but at the same time, when there's someone who puts hours and hours in perfecting their one instrument, like they're yeah. obviously gonna have yeah, so maybe. much more magic in their what they're doing, you know. Yeah, just like just just learn how to play cymbals and hi hats, like what drummers can do. Yeah, with cymbals and hi hats, that they maybe programmatically I could do something interesting. But if you got a guy who's been the drummer for like twenty years, mm-hmm. what he can come up with just by hearing mm-hmm. like chord changes is like fantastic. And that's why mm-hmm. I always like love playing with live drummers, um, mm-hmm. even as, as a keyboardist. I would like turn on my drum machines off, and like because if I can play with a live drummer, he's gonna do stuff that it's kind of like jazz to me. And like, I like to yeah. play kind of fusion jazz with drummers and bass players. And we just kind of go off and mm-hmm. we we'll come back to central themes, like a typical jazz outfit. But mm-hmm. uh, I, what I love about fusion is like the fact that you can go off and kind of solo and kind of get punky and yeah. then, you know, have some central like part that you guys, that we all practice and we have that central thing, but then we yeah. can go off and solo and then come back. And it's just really fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, we can have a general idea that we rehearsed, but then, you know, if I feel like, you know, just playing something out of nowhere, everybody just kind of goes with it and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because we're kind of like, okay, that's just the, the nature of music. And I, the, to me, it's those happy accidents again, that, that that's what's fantastic mm-hmm. uh, about the, the whole process of uh, creation in, in terms of music. I think it's just that that's why you do it. I, I probably mm-hmm. I don't care if I made any money. <laughs> I mean, really, because like, I, I try to do what's gonna you know do okay, but but yeah. most of it is because of what you know it feels like playing. You know, they, like I'm a, I'm addicted to playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I agree. I think that drums, especially, like it's the make it or break it for a song, and uh, and I think that. When I uh, actually I got into production in a way that I also did some band things, but I felt like writing on a guitar isn't the same for me. Like it's always the, like it's always the same. It's kind of like limiting me in a way. Like I enjoy it, but I felt like I want to create sounds that I never have before. I want to like put it together in a different way. I want to create drops. I want to like. Yeah. do all this type of stuff so i completely 100% admire all of these uh, other instrumentalists and like all the people who have put years and years in like perfecting this one specific thing yeah well, i think what's cool about the daw is it brings you kind of into the studio right mm-hmm. so you've got all the tools that used to be on the big boards at Olympic Studios, at these big studios, you've got the same kind of tools. You got all the compressors, you got all the, mm-hmm. st- uh, you know, effects. You can run backward stuff. You can run, you know, you can run analog instruments into it. You can run, you know, other instruments into it. You can use software instruments, and and do you know, bring a string section in that you know you would have had to hire a string to, to play it, or mm-hmm. play a Mellotron to try to get it. Um, <laughs> you know, so now you can actually. That's what's cool. That's why I became a keyboardist. Because uh, I, I like I was a woodwind guy, right? I'm like I'm playing clarinets and saxes. Like, well, I can't write. I can write jazz songs, but I couldn't write like pop songs. Mm-hmm. So I said I needed something to write. So I got a piano, and then I said, well, I, I I'm kind of limited 
I'm just going to be writing like Carol King and Billy Joel, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, John, not that it's bad, but like, I want to be able to do other instruments. Then that's when I found synthesizers. I mm-hmm. said, well, I get a synthesizer, mm-hmm. like one of these Rollins, I can actually, the whole thing about being a synthesist is you just don't try to play a keyboard like a piano player. You yeah. learn how to play a bass like a bass player. You go learn yeah. to play a flute like a flute player. You learn to play the drums like a drummer. You learn to do the strings like an orchestra. Like say so you become that yeah. other instrument. Yeah. And you have to learn the techniques like the trills or the breaths that you have to take. Like, okay, if I'm taking a woodwind, I can't just keep on playing without a breath. Yeah. I've, I've got to actually introduce the breaths. I've got to yeah. introduce the aspects of that instrument. And that's what's fun about being a synthesis is like trying to actually replicate those native instruments on something that's mm-hmm. not that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I, I mean, DAWs do it now. I mean, before that, because I'm a child of the 70s, the synthesizer was the DAW. Mm-hmm. A music workstation like an M1 or like, a, you know, like a Phantom, that was what we did. You know, we didn't have a DAW. We would use a Phantom or a Kronos or something like that. And now because there's a DAW, you don't have to do that. But mm-hmm. I'm still living in that world and I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. But because um, I like the hardware, but that's just me. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's a completely different way of playing still. Uh, because even if you kind of understand the way to make your, let's say, drums sound as natural as, as you can in your DAW, then, for example, the drummer who has uh, done 10 years of drumming, comes and tries to do the drums in a door and it sounds not good at all, you know, which is strange because the technique is completely different, but like... Yeah, you can actually yeah. do things that, kind of like what George Martin said, um, you know, the studio becomes like a sound painting and you can do things, mm-hmm. like you said, I'm not, the Beatles aren't just sounding like they did in Berlin live. Mm-hmm. They're doing things that you can't actually reproduce live. I mean, there's backwards, yeah, yeah. there's all this layering mm-hmm. that you know that you can't reproduce. Yeah. You know you, that's like the studio version of the song. Exactly. Yeah. Is totally different than the live version of the song, mm-hmm. and I'm cool with that. Like I'm not. Sometimes I'm like I don't want to just replicate what I did in the studio. When I go yeah. play live, I don't necessarily want to run all my backing tracks. I will actually create a live version that's actually playable that yeah. I don't have to have all this other stuff happening. Cause it's like this, the live version is different than the studio version. Studio version, I could do all these things. When yeah, I go exactly. live, it's like I can only do this much and mm-hmm. I'm not going to bring those back in tracks. So I don't want to get locked in to what I originally wrote. So I'm going to just interpret it in a different way. <laughs> yeah. I think that's something uh, when I started um, producing that I, that I didn't really think about was that, how is this going to sound live? Am I really going to say that out loud? Live? Like oh, all these yeah. things that I didn't really think about prior. Oh, yeah. So I was just like, I am in my, in my room making my own music, you know? Like I yeah. say what I want to say and I make what I want to make and I put everything that I want and I make the drum, uh, the drop as loud as I want and I eight toys rip so hard that literally my heart goes out of beat. But... Mm-hmm. Then I start, like realized that actually like it's not only about what I want to put into it. It's also you really need to like think about what people get out of it, you know. So yeah, because yeah. otherwise, there's no point of even like releasing your music 
if if you're only doing it in the perspective of I want to say this and I want to do this and all this stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like the punk thing. Like like the yeah, perspective, yeah. like a punk band can come out and they can be screaming and yeah and whatever, but it's like, is it really kicking over? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Even like when the class first started, they were like a, a real punk band. It was like yeah, 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 yeah. Then what uh, did they become? They actually started to craft other like had Caribbean and African rhythms and hip hop rhythms. They started to actually structure things that were more listenable. By the time you get to combat yeah. rock, it's got like pop sensibilities, even though it's punk. Yeah. It started I, to get to a point where you actually could, you know, it's a song. Mm -hmm. You know, not just a punk song, but it's actually a popular radio song. Yeah, I definitely ag agree with the punk attitude. I think that I took it very hard from the music I was doing prior. And uh, mm -hmm. now I think that I have started to make music that is, it has the meaning, which is the most important to me, but it's delivered in a more refined way because you know like as you make things anyway you get better at them you get more skill you, you get more like mindful about what you're doing so I definitely I'm excited for the things that now are gonna come out and I'm really excited to hopefully start performing them and yeah so well, I think it's really cool to kind of merge like a punk aesthetic mm -hmm. right? with with that kind of pop sensibility mm-hmm and I think where you get the like the highest level of that was like Kurt Cobain, right? Like Kurt Cobain was a, basically he was doing like Ramones like punk, but then he mixed, mixed like Beatles-esque like lyrical, you know, definition. If you look at Nirvana songs, they've got like a lot of Beatle like structures to them in terms of even the lyrics. Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of it's grunge, but if you look at it, it's got a lot of Beatles in it. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's got like beetle chords it's got like lyrics they're like john lennon like lyrics and you're like that's that, that's not just punk it's like something else so he kind of took it that punk aesthetic and then was able to kind of come into it and create the grunge mm -hmm. and you know that's probably the best definition of grunge is nirvana but it's it's just unbelievably dense there's a lot to it and so as you can take that and then you could like you could go like electronic with it you get like a Trent Reznor you know you get like a nine inch nails and he's got very interesting things to have this aggressive punk thing but he's doing it with sense you know mm -hmm. and that was always big inspiration for to me because like a lot of sense can be very poppy can mm -hmm. be very very you know pleasing to the ears Mm -hmm. when Trent goes at it he kind of takes a punk like he's like I'm going to make it heavy and yeah. hard and gritty and obnoxious and yeah. kinda, I like that being, and being able to kind of the middle ground is being able to mm -hmm. get that pop audience to like it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah 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 uh, that's true uh, that I think is something that is like in heart of uh, all of the artists is that like, I want to create my art, but at the same time, like, is it marketable? Like, if I if I do what I, like, how can I do things that I really believe in, in a way that I don't have to, like, go and have another and another job where I put all of my time in, where I, like, you know, so to find a balance between of delivering your message and doing what you love and at the same time not, like, completely like 
wasting yourself in everything else is like finding the balance really hard i think yeah i think it's just like what i found is like you know as a musician i started getting the podcasting as mm-hmm. a way to help support and what's interesting is like it's like i said what people say well then you're taking away from how much time you can put into your music i said mm-hmm. well like being a musician being able to talk to other musicians mm-hmm. is a core thing about being a musician Right. So yeah. Every time I get to talk to another musician, it helps me with my music. So it's worth taking the time out of writing a ghost song or a peg song to talk to somebody like you mm-hmm. and get a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And then I can take that and it's like, oh, that's a different way to look at something. Yeah. Every, yeah. every week I'm hearing different bands. Yeah. I'm listening to what you're doing. And then like that, that inspires me in itself. Not that I'm going to clone what you're doing, but the fact that I'm outside of my own yeah. head, that I'm exactly. actually listening to other people. I mm-hmm. think that's the core to being a musician is to actually experience as much music from other people. Yeah. And you grow as a musician by connecting with other musicians. <laughs> exactly. 100% agree. That's why I also love collaborating. So maybe next next week you can see uh, my podcast uh, popping up randomly. So I can also. <laughs> really, I've actually got other artists have, um, I've interviewed have actually kicked off their own. Really? Uh, yeah, just because it is a growing form. Yeah, it's a really it great does, idea, though. <laughs> it, does help, how it helps push your brand. Even yeah. if you're not talking yeah, about yeah. your own music, if yeah, you branch it. out, I had a guy. He was like, he's making cookies. Mm-hmm. He was like, show, you know, showing how bad he pay, he played golf. You know, he he just doing yeah. quirky things, not like TikTok exactly, but mm-hmm. but having another way for fans to see you. Yeah, is kind of cool. It's kind of like yeah. what, you know, if you think about like the monkeys, or you think about the Beatles with help, people being able to see a band. Mm-hmm in a different yeah. way is not not a bad idea for marketing and in yeah. fact in fact it actually gives you a longer form to put yeah, yeah, your yeah. music on because like where you're on a spotify playlist you got two minutes you get mm-hmm. on a podcast you could have a half hour an hour and then suddenly yeah. your content could be on something that is way more way longer and can reach more people for a longer yeah. period of time so it's it's, it's a win-win <laughs> mm-hmm. i agree but yeah, uh I... yeah it's just a thought <laughs> yeah yeah but um like collaborating i think we talked about that but um have you uh thought about uh like being in somebody else's band or doing a feature for another band or or um you know totally different like mm-hmm. genre yeah i uh in totally different genre Mm, i haven't really but i'm always down for a challenge so uh, if anyone needs a top liner here i am Uh, but uh, that's what i usually do yeah i uh, when people reach out to me i can write the top lines for them and uh, do those things and uh, also i um, collaborate uh, uh, with other artists myself too like uh oh you're right. working on, oh, there are projects like your features on yeah. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That, also that. i really enjoy producing for other artists in a way that i uh, when i started producing i was like okay i want to create my own music i want to share it i want to make it my own uh mm-hmm. i tried to like rap on uh beat stars beats and uh, then I was like okay these are like very like always the same so I want to make my own so mm-hmm. uh but 
now I I didn't think that it was going to be in a way that oh I enjoy producing for other artists too and especially like understanding what they want and and trying to create it for them and understanding who they want to see them as or who they want to be or who or what is that defines them is really like interesting for me to like also do for them you know I think it's really really special thing yeah I think that's another uh thing that musicians can do is like you know guest playing like like being a synth player I can go and play parts on somebody else's record right mm-hmm. I can go you know add a Moog bass line to somebody that needs a needs mm-hmm. it you know or add some like like a pad some expansive like Jupiter 8 like pads or like mm-hmm. a, like a, some kind of profit five heavy kind of 90s new wave sound somebody wants it and they want to sound like that mm-hmm. and then you need a keyboard player to do that and that's the kind of stuff you know, that you can do and then also the other thing is like um not like top lines too but being a, a synthesis is we can do ads you know, we, we can do 30 seconds commercials mm-hmm. somebody yeah. needs music for a commercial. And in, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily, you know, people ever know that I did it because it might be yeah. just my regular legal name. But yeah, it's a yeah, way yeah. to have a source of income as a musician, as a working musician. Yeah. Doing like, uh, you know, advertising and film. Um, yeah. Just, you know, for a couple of minutes here and there for a scene, you can mm-hmm. do very well. Um, as yeah. a musician and you, maybe you don't get to put your brand on it but mm-hmm. you can use it to pay for your own project <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sound know? design is definitely another thing that really like like for for commercials and that type of stuff is uh, really exciting to me uh, I think it's uh, super fun like if you look at this like created action of this uh, little clip and you're like oh how I'm gonna make this sound like like putting your brain in a situation of trying to make realistic sounds with non-realistic things, for example, is uh, yeah, really yeah. cool. It's kind of like the old uh, 1950s uh, science fiction movies are full of these modes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, your UFO sounds. Like, Ooh, yeah. Like, <laughs> these yeah. that's what they do, you know. So somebody wants to hear that kind of weird UFO thing and they mm-hmm. want special effects. They want to sound like R2-D2. <laughs> and that's, that's what my my all my sense can do that yeah yeah <laughs> you know so you can do special effects for like filmmakers and stuff mm-hmm. so they're looking to do like you know ocean and wind and mm-hmm. they don't want to grab a tape loop because they don't want to get hit with somebody's uh, infringement they'll come to a synthesis yeah to do it you know and yeah. then you, can, you can you can do a lot of cool stuff so i think it's like it's wide open because you know you have to think about i think what you can do not what you can't do mm-hmm. um and you just find that there's a lot of lot of opportunities to mm-hmm. to like, you know be out there and music. Now you're you're trying to you know be a big big superstar, but I think a lot of what we do is because we love it. And if you love it, then things kind of come to yeah. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like if you're very passionate, then people feel your passion, right? And then they're like, "Whoa, this person's really into this. Maybe we should check them out because they're so into themselves, they're into the confidence of it." Right, mm-hmm. they feel that you have something, then 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 people will say, "Well, yeah, they do," right? And then you you start to build an audience because people will find you know. I find that people find you, you know, around mm-hmm. the world, people looking for something different. So yeah. just because you don't sound like what's in the top ten doesn't mean you can't go out there and do that. Do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I really hope you're right. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, you know, but, it's just a different way to think of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I also like want to think like that, and I really hope that people through my music see who I am, and I also really like to connect to my audience. Uh, so, so uh, I really hope that. Uh, just by being yourself is, is enough, you know? <laughs> well, I think yeah. everybody's got their own unique vision, you know? They, yeah. Got your raw blue vision, you know? Mm -hmm. I got my peg vision. Every band I've yeah. ever talked to has that kind of motif. Mm -hmm. so, so this single, is this part of a bigger project? I know you mentioned the AI. Is yes. it part of like an EP or an album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there is, there is uh, some some more going. I'm uh, not uh, gonna reveal all of this, but there is a bigger uh, thing coming after this. But first, go go on this link and <laughs> I follow the single and then <laughs> let's yeah, yeah. watch the music video because that's also super exciting. And then yeah. there's gonna well, be you, the you full story. Start. Yeah, you have to start, you know. You, I think like you have to kind of have the hook and get people yeah. into it and get them into your the rare blue like mm -hmm. world right so yeah. they get people in the peg world you know that's how i try to get you know they get people to listen to me when i interview people and artists you know yeah. different every week i try to bring them into our channels <clears throat> make sure they subscribe to our youtube <laughs> yeah because <laughs> that's the thing and one thing i think people forget is like it doesn't take a lot of time but i would just suggest to anybody who watches and listens to the people i interview please make sure you subscribe everywhere on the social media where you find the artist like Vera Blue. Like if you're on the YouTube, <laughs> subscribe if they're on the YouTube. Subscribe on, 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 you know, make sure you hit the likes, you download, you subscribe where you can, you purchase, not just stream because yeah. that shows the support of an artist. In the same way YouTubers get people to support them, um, we, mm -hmm. we need people to support musicians. People just think musicians yeah. are running around in limos and stuff, and it's not like that in the, anymore. <laughs> Especially these times that we're going through right now, yeah. like when there's not as much shows, that all, all of those things are restricted. Like it's really needed to support all of the artists. Uh, yeah, yeah, so they sure. wouldn't quit and get a, like a fully day job, you know? Uh, yeah, I yeah. It's like it makes sure that we don't have to have, you know, have like three day jobs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you if you subscribe and you download and you especially like in a, in a place like a YouTube is like if you, that is very important to hit that subscribe button. I don't know how Yeah. how much I, anywhere you can find a subscribe button and the artist is there make sure you hit it cuz it's yeah. very important. Um so I just wanted to thank you for being on the show. It's been really great. And to let everybody know this will be on Spotify video podcast if you didn't know. Spotify has a new program for um, podcasters and our podcast is one of the video podcasts that's there and it'll be there within an hour. It will also be on Apple podcast as audio and we're on actually Twitter right now. Um, so that's one of the new things that we started doing. So thank you very much for being on the show and we appreciate it. And when your album drops, let us know. We like to have people come back. Yes. And uh, if you ever want to get into our festival, we're going to do another one in july where we have every guest who's ever been on the podcast we asked them to be part of our bedroom producer festivals and uh we, we just had our second one last week and uh we're going to do a third one this year in july 
thank you for inviting me and i really really hope that although i my instagram got restricted then <laughs> i really hope that the people who care for my music and like everything that i do that they still like got to come here and listen to uh what i have to say and also uh yeah thank you and subscribe and keep the artist alive yeah <laughs> thank you very much we'll talk to you again all right